Thank you for joining us. Here at VLC, our purpose is helping people discover and develop a life in Christ. Now here is Pastor Gary Tony. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts tonight. Stretch our faith. Give us balance. Give us boldness with a sensitivity to your leading to minister this word of truth. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Now, Something I want to start with tonight that may seem a little different, but the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians, he says this in chapter 2, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not of yourself, it's a gift. Now, the thing that I begin to meditate on when I was looking at this passage, thinking about our subject, this word saved in the Greek is the word sozo. And in that language, it means a lot more than just saved. We use that word very casual in, in our culture today. Are you saved? And we say, well, yeah, I'm saved. Well, what, but what does that mean? Saved from what? Saved from hell? Well, sure, we're saved from hell, but it's so much more. The word literally means this, to rescue from danger, from destruction, from injury, from suffering, from sickness and disease, and from judgment. That's what this word saved in the Greek language means. So when we use that word, we have been saved, we have been rescued, we have been redeemed, we have been delivered from danger, from destruction. But what does Paul say? It's through what? Faith. See, you're, you're going to have to get to the place, and this is one of the reasons we have these sessions is because according to... The, the Apostle Paul, faith only comes one way, it's by hearing. See, we have to have talks like this, and I can tell you from experience as a pastor in a local community, man, we don't talk about this subject enough. And then you find yourself in a situation and we entertain all kinds of crazy stuff. But because we are saved, there's a new world that is available for the born again. That being said, part of that world requires us to learn how to walk in our born-again nature. But I'm telling you, we don't. We don't practice it enough at all. We have the security of heaven, but to have some of these principles that we walk out concerning the covenant that Jesus died that we could have, we really don't take the time to develop that. And I can tell you, we have to develop it. Jesus will not override your free will in zero capacity. He won't touch it. You, you have the, the power to choose what kind of life you want, to what degree you walk out the truths of God. You see, until you get a revelation of what the word of God tells you and it's established in, in your heart, then it's not even faith. It's just an idea. It's just, if you will, information, not revelation. But as you spend time, as you have these conversations, as we talk about healing, and one of the things I will encourage you all to do, never assume I'm right. You dig into the word for yourself. Yeah? Now, I, I know y'all, you got your good church nod going, but I am telling you, we don't dig in for ourselves. Over the years, what I, there, there's been so many things that has been passed down, different traditions, and opinions, and a lot of it has just been driven by unbelief or, or an experience that somebody tried something and they didn't see the same result that Jesus has. And 
all of a sudden they begin to entertain different thoughts. See, learning how to walk and receive healing is one of the things that Jesus died that we could have. But it gets frustrating, doesn't it, when you're in the middle of something and you have a symptom and you don't see an instant result. It gets frustrating, right? And then, and then the next thing you do is the enemy is quick to, to help you to entertain thoughts like, well, maybe it's not for today. Maybe whoever that confused preacher 150 years ago said, well, it went away with the last apostle. Well, which one was that? Who's the last apostle? According to this same letter, God gave apostles to the church, not just to start it, but throughout it. So there are, those are all ideas that man put into place because we stepped out and tried something and we didn't see the same result Jesus did. And because of pride, arrogance, if you will, to some degree, we make the assumption that God changed because, bless God, I'm right. We, we take that approach, don't we? And, and so often, I can tell you, I, I've had conversations with people over the years, and when I tell them, well, and, and I'll take them to stories like the, the, the epileptic boy. Now think about this for a second. Jesus, Peter, James, and John, they're on the Mount of Transfiguration. They're in the manifested glory of God. I want you to wrap your head around this for a second. They're, they're in the manifested presence of God. I mean, God showed up on the scene, Cody. They saw him. Not only did they see God in a manifested form, they saw Moses. They, didn't see, you know, they saw Elijah. And they're in that kind of power. And then Jesus comes down off the mountain and his other disciples couldn't accomplish what he had already told them to do, what they were actually doing in the past. And Jesus says, boy, step aside. I've been in the glory. He didn't say that, did he? Matter of fact, he didn't even step in and, and interfere with things in the beginning. He told them, he said, listen, it's because of your what? Now, guys, and I know we know this answer, but so often admitting that in today's church world, we're very prideful people. We won't admit that. Well, maybe there is some unbelief. No, I can tell you right now there is. According to Jesus, if you're not seeing certain results, it is 100% unbelief. I know it hits the back wall every time I say that because, oh, no, I'm believing. Okay, then. Well, then why are you so defensive? Because if you haven't seen the result and you're convinced that it's true, then chill out. It's working in your life. Y'all okay? Did I start out too heavy? I, I should, we, we, maybe, maybe we should coast in a little, little easier. Yeah. Well, I think we're living in a time where there's enough confusion in the body of Christ. And the Bible makes it very clear, doesn't it? I mean, you can't follow Jesus and then try to establish a doctrine that God doesn't heal anymore. Because he is the manifested will of God in a human. I know some people say, yeah, but Jesus was God. No, he laid his deity aside. I'm going to show you a story in a minute that kind of supports that a little bit. But if he was God, man, I mean, if he was operating as God, then in the Garden of Gethsemane, he wouldn't have had to say, Father, is he any other way? Because if he's God in operation, well, he already knows the way. He wouldn't have to pray to the Father, is there any, can, can, can you give me an option B? None of that. 
right? Not only does God want us at a place where we can receive healing by faith, I believe he wants us walking at a higher level. I believe God wants us at a place where we walk in health. What about that? Now, is that a cool thing to think about, to meditate on, to let that get into your spirit to the degree that's working in your life? Because you have been sozo, you have been saved, delivered from destruction, redeemed by grace through faith. So you have to believe this stuff. Paul goes on to tell us this in Ephesians chapter 1. I love this. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, what's that mean? It's already done it. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Now, here's the thing about that. This is one of the pushbacks that I get so often when I bring this subject up, that God has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Yeah, but pastor, you know, that says in heavenly places. Okay, read the rest of Ephesians because you and I, if we are in Christ, we are seated together with him in Heavenly places. This passage actually says to us that he's given us these spiritual blessings in the heavenly realm because we are united with Christ. This is why in that same chapter one of Ephesians, I'm telling you, you will never go wrong meditating the the book of Ephesians. It is possibly the most life-changing book. I say this cautiously, but it to some degrees, for a, 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 a New Testament believer, Ephesians will change your life if you'll take the time and not just read it, but meditate it. Because in that same chapter, Paul goes on to say this. He says, guys, when I heard of your faith, I began to pray for you, that your soul would be enlightened. That was the, that's, this is the Ephesian prayer that Paul talks about. That you would walk in the riches of his glory, and then you would operate in the exceeding greatness of his power. Why would he pray for us that we could do those things if we can't do them? If God just picks certain ones that it's available for. Mm, sorry, Sherry, not you. Mm-mm. He doesn't work like that. God loves people. He's for people. He's already established this new and better covenant. Everything's concerning this covenant. It is by grace. In other words, it's God's already done it freely. And it's through faith. You actually have to believe this stuff when nothing goes right, when the pain and the symptom is still there and it's been there for six months, six years. But we quit, don't we? We get frustrated. We look for alternatives. And that has to change. And that lies on us to have conversations like this. And one of the things that I I pray that happens with these little meetings that we have here on Wednesday night is that this inspires you to have conversations with your group of friends. See, I want you at a place of confidence where you can sit down with confidence and talk about healing because ever since I've been a Christian, Cody has been swept under the rug. I have pastor friends in this community that are not allowed to talk about it. Is that crazy? First of all, what's crazy is they're not allowed to talk about something in the Bible. I'm like, what what the heck is that all about? So we, we have to get some of these things settled in our thinking because so often when it comes to this subject of faith, let, let me touch on this for just a second. Because something that I've discovered over the years, even in my own life early on, but as I begin to grow in this, so many people, they get this thing where they think that faith is something that moves God. Mm-mm. No, God, God's already moved. God's already done his part. 
This is, this is the thing. Faith is, faith is this spiritual, it really is this spiritual force that, that God has given us that allows us to reach over into his world and take it. When you watch Jesus through the New Testament, well, how do, how, how, how do I do that? Well, you go to the New Testament and you set up camp there and you watch him. I love, to, I love going through the Gospels and just taking my time and watching Jesus work. I mean, he's the coolest dude on, on, on the planet, man. And he doesn't get rattled. He doesn't get shaken. Oh, you got that. Oh, No. When you watch him, he is constantly, this is one of your take-homes tonight. When you watch Jesus through the New Testament, he is constantly showing us how the new covenant that he's about to establish on the cross actually operates. Because while he's on the planet, there is no new covenant yet. They're still under, that's why he would tell people, go show yourself to the priest. They're still operating under old covenant. It hasn't been established. But once he hung on the cross and said it is finished and the veil was torn from the top down, not from the bottom up. And when you go look at that, well, you, you, you'd have to get a scissor lift to get up to the top to tear that thing. If man did it, it was the angel of God tore it. And when he said it is finished, that was the moment that the new covenant was established. And Jesus, what he did is he repeatedly showed us, you know, when, when people came to Jesus for healing, not one time did he say, let me check with the father. Not one time did he say, well, the Lord's trying to teach you something. It may not be God's will. All those crazy things that we have come up with throughout the years, 100% of the people that came to Jesus for healing, they got healing. I mean, after all, you think about this, God's name, he named himself. This is one of God's redemptive names that he introduced himself to his people in the Old Testament. He said, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that heals sometimes. If you act right. No, his name is Lord Healer. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. He said, I only do what I see the Father do. He said, I have come to fulfill the will of the Father. I am the manifested will of the Father on the planet in a human body. And the thing that he did is finalize that at the cross with his atonement, with his beating, with his crucifixion. He paid for all of it. It was a done deal. Sin has been eliminated and paid for. Do we still sin? Well, sure we do. Do we still get sick? Sure we do. But it's all been paid for. We have to learn how to appropriate those things as born-again people. And we get frustrated because we watch Jesus. We see some of the early apostles do things. And then from there, through the rest of the New Testament, you really don't see a lot of it. And this is one of the pushbacks that I get when I try to talk about healing. And, And over the years in the past, I used to try so hard to defend healing. I don't do that anymore. It doesn't need defending. It'll stand on its own. But people push back. Well, if it was such a, an important thing for the New Testament church, why isn't it in the New Testament? And then that's when, as a pastor, you have to help people. You have to take your time and feed them. Those New Testament letters, those were responses to local churches who had issues. And they were asking Paul, 
James, Peter, to deal with them about situations, subjects that they were facing. The reason healing wasn't brought up because it wasn't an issue. There wasn't any problem with healing, you know. It, it was happening everywhere you went. Peter and James, they, they, or uh, Peter and John, they said, silver and gold I don't have, but this is what I got. Such as I have, I give it to you. In the name of Jesus, what'd they say? Let me check with the Lord. No, get up, right? We have to get to this place. And when we step out, you got to get this tonight. And when you step out and you don't see an instant result, you don't change the way you think. Your mind, real faith is a made-up mind, no matter what you see. God said so. I believe it. Yeah, but well, it's not working. Who said it wasn't working? Do you understand that Jesus, he was trying to help us with this. In Mark's version of the Great Commission, he said, these signs follow them that believe. You'll lay hands on the sick, and they'll instantly be healed. That's not what it says, does it? What does it say, y'all? You'll recover. Recovery is a process. Now, that's great if you get an instant result, but if you don't, you need to understand, you need to walk away knowing, according, it is written, according to the Great Commission, according to Jesus, I'm a believer. If I lay hands on sick people, they have no choice but to recover. God said so. And you walk away, and you're not looking to see, you're not waiting to see. And then tomorrow you check them, and there's, there's no change. Like, no, God said so. You ain't got no choice. But we don't operate this way, don't Because we? we're begging, we're crying. Y'all okay? Yeah. This is, this is the thing that we need to get to. So, so think about it like this. If healing has already been provided, then the correct New Testament approach to healing has to be one of authority. Not pleading. Because you're joint heirs with Christ. Yeah? Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Now you go do everything I taught you to do. He told him in Luke, I've given you authority over all the power of the darkness. In Acts chapter 10, Jesus, uh, God actually refers to sickness and disease as demonic oppression. How God anointed Jesus. Well, if Jesus was God, God doesn't need anointed. God is the anointing. But in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus with what? the Holy Spirit, and power. And he went about doing good and healing all. See, somewhere between Acts 10 and today, something happened. And I am telling you, it's not God's fault. Y'all okay with this? Because I know, I know it soothes our conscience. I know it's easier to just blame God. Well, it must not have been God's will because I, I prayed the right prayer. I said the right thing. Okay. If you did all that stuff, then chill out. It's working in your body. <laughs> Sometimes we, we, we have a tendency to wait and see, though. Cody, I said the prayer, and then we're just waiting. Come on, Tiffany. I mean, just think, she, she's going into the medical field. And there's going to be days when you walk in somebody and there's going to be a patient you go in and see and they're, and, and they're going to be looking at you like, you didn't fix me. <laughs> Listen, guys, there are doctors every day that they, they come to patients and say, well, we've done all we can do. Yeah. And praise God for the medical field. We need anointed men and women in that field. But we know somebody that doesn't say, well, that's all I can do. <laughs> right. 
But to get to that place, it's, it's not, I, I know we just want easy all the time, but sometimes you've got to renew your mind to the degree that you're not shaken. Y'all, y'all, are y'all, I, I, know, I, I know this is a little firm, but I think sometimes when it comes to this subject, we've, we've just been, we've danced around it for so long. And it's just easier to say, well, you know, it must have been God's will for me to go through this. Here's something else when it comes to the healing. Understanding how to minister it to other people. You ever think about that? Because we get all kinds of, well, if Jesus has already done it, how should I pray? What should I say? What should I? I know I'm not the only one who thinks that kind of stuff, right? Getting to this place where we are confident in it and we know what to do. All you have to do is go back and watch how Jesus did it. He told us in John chapter 14, guys, the things I do, you can do them. So now some of the things I'm not going to suggest you start out trying, like the whole spitting on somebody, probably wouldn't start with that, okay? Making mud and putting it on their face, no. But getting somebody and having a conversation with them and finding out where they're at in their faith. This is one of the things that, I, that I, I try to do with people is I try to listen for a little bit. Find out where they're at because healing is an established covenant. I don't think we understand the, the depths of that. Healing is done. I know a lot of us were, Lord, heal us, Lord, heal us, Lord. I did. It'd be like, Cody, give me your Bible. Cody, give me your Bible. Give, give me your Bible. That's what it would be like. God's like, I've already given it to you. Healing, he died, he was beaten. For Healing is a, a done deal. We have to learn how to navigate that world. And, and getting into the place where you can live a spiritual life, it takes transformation, you all. And I know people, we've warmed a chair half of our life. And, we, and some of these things that I'm talking about tonight, man, it just shakes us to the core. So some real simple things when it comes to ministering to people, once you find out where they are, say, okay, listen, can you agree with me on this? And I'll take them to a passage. I'll tell them a story. You got to be led to some degree by the Holy Spirit in these things. Be sensitive. And then you grab them by the hand and say, this is what we're going to do. According to the word of God, I'm going to lay hands on you and I'm going to speak the healing power of God over you. And it's going to go to work right away. Thus says the Lord. That's what it says in, in, in Mark 16. And so, And you don't have to ask God, what Peter say? Such as I have, I give you. He didn't say, wait a minute, let me pray. No, they wasn't even teaching on healing. They were just going to the hour of prayer, and there was this crippled guy. Peter saw him. They made eye contact. He said, look at me. Pay close attention to this lesson. Now, you know, I know I'm a little direct tonight. Be, be gentle with people. Tracy's helping me with that. Y'all laughed at that. <laughs> but you look at them, grab them by the hand, and say, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to lay hands on you, and I'm going to speak the healing power of God over your life, and it's going to go to work in your body. And then you walk away. You don't sit there and say, okay, God, do your thing. But that's what we do. We want to see something instant. Now, I've seen instant. But in the bulk of my journey as a pastor on this subject, because... There is so much unbelief in today's church. We won't admit that, but there is so much unbelief in today's church 
that when we see a truth, we hear a truth, and we step out and we try to exercise some faith and we don't see the result, man, we unhook right away. We, we'll quit in five minutes. You can't. See, this is the thing. You all know that I, I, I fight allergies all the time, and I speak to my body every day, and I tell it to shut up. And I went for months without taking any allergy medicine, and then all of a sudden spring broke, and it was like the devil said, watch this. I'm going to show you who's boss. And I'm like, you shut your mouth. Now, now listen to me carefully. I upped my word, my meditation, my, my confession, and I took a Claritin. <laughs> now listen, don't be, listen, so many people, you, you're so out of, you're like, it's either one, and that's not one or the other. If you got symptoms in your body and you don't see instant results, don't play gate. This is, listen, denial is not faith. You got that? Denying it, doesn't, that's just living with your head in the sand. That's not reality. Are y'all getting anything out of this? See, the challenge for the church is this. We have this misleading assumption that took place, who knows when, from the birth of the church that at some point, healing went away. I'm telling you, healing didn't go anywhere. His name is Lord Healer. And the thing that you got to be open to is this. Our enemy, y'all do know we have an enemy that doesn't want you to get these truths, right? Our enemy knows, he has learned, he learned early on at the birth of the church that he can have way, 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 way more success working from the inside out. And if he can keep the church divided, huh? if he can keep us over in unbelief, then he doesn't have to worry about us walking this truth out. And that's what has happened from the birth of the church to now. Things like healing, man, we got to the place where we don't see it and we just, well, God changed. Man, that, that's one of the things that I really struggle with is when people try to blame God. You don't understand what happened at the cross. I mean, let's just look at salvation for a minute. You look at Jesus on the cross and you say the sinner's prayer that's in Romans. And you look at Jesus on the cross, brutally beaten, beyond recognition, nailed to a wooden cross. Lord, are you sure I'm saved? I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? But healing came in that same package. It, 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 was, it was all one deal. Some people say, well, I prayed for them to get healed, and they didn't get healed. It must not have been God's will. Well, let's take that same approach with salvation. Well, I prayed for my nephew to get saved. He didn't get saved. It must not have been God's will for him to get saved. How many of you know that's a bunch of nonsense? It's God's will for how many people to get saved? How many? Oh, okay. Same God wrote that, wrote these other scriptures. God never changes. So we have to take a step back. We have to humble ourselves and ask the Holy Spirit to give us revelation on this subject. And then we need to grow in it. And when you step out and you don't see an instant result, listen, the word of God is like food to your spirit. Sometimes you just got to continually feed that thing. Paul made this statement. He was writing to the Corinthian church, and he said this in chapter 4, and he's talking about his crew ministering and teaching, and he says this, that you may learn, this is in 1 Corinthians 4, <clears throat> that you may learn in us. He, now, Paul's talk, he's writing this letter, instructing the church, watch our lives. He says that you may learn in us to not think beyond what is written. Wow. 
Did you know that was in the New Testament? Paul told the church, don't think beyond what's written. Well, what's written? I took sickness from you. That's what's written. Peter says that by his stripes, we were healed. We were. What's were mean? Right? It's already a done deal. See, Jesus took it upon himself to take sin, to take sickness. This is why Peter makes statements like that. See, Peter is looking back at the cross to what had already been accomplished. And that's why he says, by whose stripes we were healed. Paul says it like this, that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. All you got to do is go to Deuteronomy 28 and you read the curse of the law and you're like, praise the Lord, man, I'm redeemed from that. That's some jacked up stuff in there. Yeah. And then at the end of it, it says, even any sickness or disease that hadn't even been named yet. I got you covered on that one too. You are the redeemed of the Lord. And then Matthew 8 really gives us this beautiful picture of the, the prophecy that Isaiah spoke. In Matthew 8, 16, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirit with a word, and he healed all who were sick. Why? That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. He took our infirmities, and he bore our sicknesses. What did Paul say? Learn from us not to think beyond what's written. What's written is, he came to fulfill what was written in the Old Testament. Isaiah said it, Jesus came and fulfilled it, and then Matthew is writing this, telling us that he himself took, he took them. <clears throat> he says he took our infirmities. Watch this, he didn't say he took theirs. Talking about something that was done at one time in history. The Holy Spirit knew we would be reading this today. He took our infirmities, he bore our sicknesses. The question is this, at what point will we be honest about believing that we already have it. See, one of the things, I, that's why I made those God is a word medicine cards for you, or is it God's word is medicine? That's it. So that you can get that in you. It never should be some religious ritual that you practice. It was designed so that you can begin to speak the things of God over your life, and you speak it. And you speak it, and the more that you speak it, transformation takes place, and your spirit begins to connect with this to the degree that you're no longer, like James says, children tossed to and fro with all kinds of different doctrines. You're fixed. You're unmovable in this, and you know, regardless of what you feel like, I know that the, the healing power of God's working in my body. And yeah, I had to take a Claritin, because my sinuses are like... Here's the thing. When I go on vacation to Hilton Head... It's crazy. I blame Kentucky because when I get down there, the second day I get down there, I think it's a sign from the Lord. <laughs> right? Yeah. See, we have to get. So, let me let me just touch on this for a second, because when, when you're battling a symptom and you're still taking a medicine, when I took the Claritin, Lord, I thank you. Allergies, I rebuke you. God, thank you for the medicine that's helping me, but it's just helping me. You are my healer, and I'm acknowledging you as my healer. And I'm just, I'm helping my body until I walk in a fuller revelation of this truth. Boom. Learning that, because guys, we, we're, sometimes, because we just think that we, we get a truth, we get a little information, we hear a sermon, and we think we got it. 
I've used this illustration so many times. But I'm going to, you know, Sherry, I'm going to take some flight lessons online. Right? Nobody's going to fly with me because I took some lessons online and I, I, I did a simulator. No, nobody's getting undeployed. No. Because why? Because we think. How about this one? What, maybe, not, maybe I'll do some classes on open heart surgery. And then I, I, can print, I can get Paula to design me a degree and print it out. Dr. Tony. It's ridiculous, right? But the most essential, powerful reality of existence, and we just think we're just going to walk in it automatically. You're not. You're going to have to grow in this just like you grow in your humanity. The problem is a lot of people in humanity don't grow in their humanity. They just exist. I know. Let me get, I better read some Bible. <laughs> huh? At what point are we going to be honest about our self-evaluation? I'm telling you, if you'll be honest with the Lord about these things, he gets right in my face about stuff. I'm like, God, can't you talk to me gentler? He said, when you start talking to your people gentler, no, no, he doesn't. He doesn't no. Yeah, I think we just, we start with this. Let's, let's use these sessions to help us be a little more intentional about our beliefs, regardless of what the symptoms are saying. Remember what Mark eleven twenty four 24 says? I know a lot of people think that Brother Hagin wrote this scripture, but it's in the Bible. <laughs> it's actually, he quoted Jesus, okay? But he says this, I tell you, whatever thing, what's a whatever? Whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive it and you'll have it. Now, don't let this word pray just be concluded as to whatever things you petition or ask for. Prayer is much more than petitioning. The, the realm of prayer is executing authority and decreeing. Joe said, let a man decree a thing <clears throat> and it'll be established. <clears throat> See, sometimes you have to get to the place where you believe you have it. I believe I have it. I believe I have it. Ow. Mm. I believe I have it. Body shut up. I believe I have it. Pain, I rebuke you. Now, I'm telling you, you better start this in the privacy of your own journey. In your own prayer time, in your own devotion time, because if you do this in front of people, well, they're going to make fun of you and call you all kinds of names. Jesus said, don't cast your pearl before swine. Some of this stuff, you got to develop it in your own life. And then when you get a little courage and development and some confidence, then, then the Lord's going to put you in situations to pray for people. I remember Cody, we were, <laughs> that one night we were praying for different people. He said, man, don't pick me. <laughs> But you're ready, Cody. I know your mind was messing with you, but you're ready. A lot of you are ready. We, we've had what are, four of these sessions. Y'all are ready. I know the enemy will mess with your head. I know he will use your symptom to dangle that over you. See, sometimes you've got to get to the place where you're convinced. Can I tell you a quick story from healing school? There was a, there was a surgeon. I may have told you this one before, but this is one of my favorite stories. This guy was a surgeon. He was a specialty guy. And his career blew up, and uh, he was having a hard time going to sleep. And so he started taking drugs to help him. And then he had a hard time functioning awake, and so he started taking other drugs to help him with that. And he went to all kind of clinics and different things, and nobody could help him. And he, he heard about Brother Hagin's healing school. He showed up out there, and he's just like, man, this is what's going on in my life, and I, I really believe that God can help me. I need some 
and, and they ministered to him. And he said under the word, he said under the word, he said under the word. And he said when, when they prayed for him, it felt like a band snapped. But that wasn't the whole story. When the dude came in, he'd had a skiing accident and broke his ankle. It was a, it fractured in all kinds of places. And he had this, those boots that you pump up because he was scheduled for a surgery. And he's a surgeon, so he knows what's going on. And he looks up at the instructor and says, well, if God will do that, he'll heal my foot. And he said, well, he will, if you can believe it. And the next thing you know, he's taking that boot off. And then he jumps up in the air and lands on that broke foot. Completely healed. Is that crazy? Now, we're like, man, I want to hear some stories like that. Guys, it, it may start by wanting, but you understand what Brother Hagin established? It had been going, when I got out there, it had been going for years and years and years, establishing these truths, setting under the word, setting under the word, setting under the word. That's all they do, healing day and night. They talk it, and these people come out there, and, and men, they set under it, and they set under it, and all of a sudden, something clicks with them. It clicked with him. He got a miracle that day. God put bone back together. Now, that's a supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit in operation. But he got set free from his drugs by faith. That's what he came to get, and he got it. Don't get frustrated. Let those stories inspire you. I want that. We all want that, don't we? Yeah. See, the thing is, I think our biggest challenge, let me see if I wrote this the right way. I think maybe the biggest challenge that we face today is that when it comes to the truths of the Word of God, I love y'all, right? But we're carnal. We're too carnally minded. Now, that doesn't mean you're not born again. It doesn't mean you're ungodly. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means that you're not spiritually minded. Can I show you something in Romans chapter 8? Check this out. For to be carnally minded is death. Now no, no, watch closely. It doesn't say to be carnally minded is like death. It doesn't say to be carnally minded leads to death. It doesn't say to be carnally minded produces death. What, what does it say? Carnally minded is, it's, that word death is separation from the Lord. So when you're carnally minded, it's death. I mean, if I had, you know, one of our good old energy drinks from the cafe up here on one side, and I had some strychnine over here, and I said, oh, it's, it's the same. No, you know, this one is death. You're not going to touch it, right? There are certain things we know not to touch. Don't eat rat poisoning. Don't do it, right? Don't drink gasoline. We know not to do that, and we, it would be ridiculous to do that, right? Carnally minded is, but to be spiritually minded is what? That word life is the word zoe. It's the God kind of life. It's the fullness of the God life. It is what Jesus meant when he said it's finished. I, have came, I came that you could have zoe. You could have the God life. You could have life like me. That's why he said the things I do, you do them in Matthew's version of the Great Commission. That's why he told him, guys, I command you. Everything that I taught you, you go teach everybody else you meet the same thing. 
except for healing. Leave that one out. No, he didn't say that, did he? That's the thing. We've got to get to this place where we understand God is expecting us to step out. So, boy, my time's just about up. I'm gonna, I want to share this one story of Jesus' ministry real quick. In Luke chapter 5, the Bible says this, and it happened on a certain day as Jesus was teaching that there were Pharisees. Y'all know what they are, right? Religious people. Teachers of the law. Religious people. Sitting by who came out of every town. Now, what, now check this out. The religious world came out of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. So there's three different towns here. And they're not, they're not looking for healing. They're fault finding. They're, they're trying to find a way to trap Jesus so they can get him killed. Huh? And the Bible says this, and the power of the Lord was present to heal Who's them? Who's there? Pharisees, teachers of the law. But on that particular day, only one dude got healed. The one that they let down through the roof. But there was all kinds of people there. They couldn't even, they couldn't even get in the room. There were so many Pharisees and teachers, religious people there trying to fault find. I don't know if you ever, have you watched any of the chosen, but man, those Pharisees, they were arrogant elites that they you know and they showed up in places and they expected special treatment and they, and to some degree they they they, they uh, allowed people to establish that kind of lifestyle for them but that's never what God intended huh? and that guy couldn't even get in the building so they went up on the roof and let him down cool story right and the Bible says and you know when when Jesus saw there, not, not just the dude, all of them, when he saw their faith, he messed with the Pharisees for a minute. He said, which one's easier? Huh? Hey, which one? Sins be forgiven? Healing. Which one's easier? He didn't say, he didn't say guys, this was harder than the other one. He said, which one? And, and they wouldn't say anything. They knew better than to mess with Jesus. He's full of the Holy Ghost operating in the fullness of God. He said, get up. He said, watch this. Get up. Take your bed, go home. Now, didn't Jesus know it was the Sabbath? He told him to take his mat and go home on the Sabbath. He always loved messing with those religious people. Yeah, he did that kind of stuff. One, one, one last story. This is the one I wanted to touch on tonight, and then I'm going to get you out of here. Paula said, don't make me put the sign up. Matt, uh, let's, let's go to Mark's version. This is in. Now, if you've got your, uh, your, your card with all the different stories of healing on it, this is one of those faith examples, and it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But we're going to look at Mark's version of this tonight. Mark 5, 24. <clears throat> Y'all okay? So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him. And uh, Now, the him is Jairus, okay? Jesus, Jairus came to Jesus. Jairus' daughter is dying, and J he, Jesus is on his way to Jairus. Now, you got it. I want this in your thinking as we unpack this story. Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house, verse, verse 25, and a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. How many years? See, I know, I know you want your symptom going right away. She didn't, she'd been fighting with this for 12 years. She suffered from many physicians, and she spent all she had and was no better but got worse. Verse 27. When she heard about Jesus. The Bible didn't say that she heard Jesus. She just heard about him. 
See, some of you all tonight, you just need to be telling them. See, how many of you are like this, though? I won't use the word ashamed, but you're scared to talk about healing in front of people. A couple of you. I mean, I've been there. And, and this is why we're having these sessions, because if you're scared to talk about it, there's no way you're going to be able to exit because your faith is already shattered. It's, it's shaky. We want to get over that. How does faith come from hearing, from hearing, from hearing? So we have these talks. Man, I listen to healing sermons all the time because I have my prayer is this out of Psalm 37. God said that he will give me the desire of my heart. My desire is to operate in the ministry that Jesus established me to operate. I want to see healing everywhere I go. But I got to talk about it in order for that to happen. You got to talk about it. We have to have enough confidence in the fact that Jesus hadn't changed. So when she heard about Jesus, she came behind in the crowd to touch his garment. And for she said, listen, your mouth, James has it right. Your words are the rudder that sets the course of your life. And she said, if I can touch his clothes, what? Not Jesus. She ain't even worried about getting to Jesus. If I can touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Verse 29, immediately the fountain of blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. And Jesus, knowing in himself that power had gone out, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched me? Now, you got to get this today. For all you people that think Jesus, was op- Jesus operated as God. Well, he was God. He did this as God. Well, God's omniscient. He would have he known who touched him. He wouldn't have had to ask who touched me. If he's operating as God, he would, he would have turned right around until he found her. Who touched me? You getting that? His disciples said, Lord, you, you see the multitudes, man. They're thronging you. Now, understand multitudes means what? Thousands. And you're asking who touched you? And he looked around to see her who had done this. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell before. Now, why would she be fearing and trembling, y'all? That's right, Cody. She didn't ask for it. She didn't ask for it. She went and got healing. She took healing. If you go back to Mark eleven twenty four, 24, when you, you know, when you pray, believe you receive it, that word receive in the Greek is the word take. This lady came to Jesus. She made her mind up. If I can just touch his clothes... If I can just touch his clothes, guys, there is a tangible anointing that is real. I can remember when I, I had the privilege of working with Brother Hagen, uh, uh, and on Sunday mornings we would gather. I was his personal escort and usher, him and Miss Aretha, and I'd get to take them to their seats, and I hung. I was kind of like his bodyguard type deal. I was his, Dustin, I was his usher. And, uh, and so I'd be in the back room with them and watch him and some of the staff and uh, Pastor Hagen and Miss Lynette, and they're, they they would bring all these cloths and stuff. They'd have a whole box of them. People would send them stuffed animals, all kinds of stuff. And they'd pray over this stuff and anoint it using this story and the one in the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts where they sent handkerchief and aprons from his body. And they would get all kinds of reports. I've had testimonies in my own life. I would say, you take this cloth, you put it under their pillow. Anointing is a real tangible force and, and it will abide in material. I have anointing on me right now. 
You have anointing on you right now. And the more that you stir it and walk in it and you actually believe that it's on you, these things will be real in your life. She said, if I can get to his clothes. Let me leave you with this. And she was fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her. And she came and fell before him and told him the whole truth. I mean, have you all seen that episode of The Chosen? If you haven't, go find it and watch it. It is beautiful. And verse 34, and then he said to her daughter, your faith, you got you to you get this, not, not my great power, not it, it must have been God's will, your faith made you well. If her faith can make her well, our faith can make us well. And if we don't see the instant result, What did Paul say? That we don't go out beyond what is written. Oscar, you got to stay within the confines of what is written. How did Jesus defeat Satan when he came and tempted him time after time? It is written, it is written, it is written. You cannot lose by saying what your father said about you. When you're speaking, now you can't speak your own stuff, but when you're speaking the word of God, because the word of God is living power, the book of Hebrews makes it very clear. The word of God shows us the difference between the carnal, because if you're carnally minded, carnally minded is death. There's no life, there's no faith in that. So when you get to the place where your mind is renewed to the degree that you're convinced and you're not moved by what you feel, you're not moved by the report. You're not, you're not moved by the symptom, what, what you're fighting with. You get up every day and you speak to that mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. Body, I am telling you, you're going to obey me. Yeah? Let's pray. Father, for every person under the sound of my voice tonight that is dealing with symptoms in their body tonight, your healing power is here, present to heal. You've already accomplished it for us through your covenant. And so now tonight we reach out by faith, just like this woman did, and we take our healing. And from this moment forward, Lord, we will only do one thing, and that will be to command your blessing over our body and tell it what to do and rebuke the symptom and command it to leave our body. In your precious name, Jesus, we call it so. And amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to click on the subscribe button. For more information on Victory Life Church, check us out at victorylifeky.com. Thank you so much for listening.